Thanks, Ben. Man, Ricky, you're everywhere, aren't you? Weightlifting and rowing and everything here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we can do that fundraiser, can't we? We can all do something, play our part. You know, I believe that's all God asks us to do, to, to, to do our part. Not just in a rowing machine, but in this world. And that's kind of really what I'm speaking about today, is, um, you know, using what we've got to make a difference in this world. Um, I'm speaking on generosity this morning. Is that okay? It's Offering Sunday. It's not very often I speak on money. Today is probably uh, the day that I do. Um, I think it's right to do that. We need to talk about money. We need to talk about money in the church. We need to look at money in our, in our lives, in our own lives, in our family. And uh, we have a responsibility to do that. So it's my job to talk on generosity. I've called it cultivating generosity. Who wants to be a generous person? The opposite is a stingy person. So if you didn't respond, hopefully by the end of this message, you'll understand why we should be a generous people. God has called us to be a generous people, I believe. Um, you know, we're all on a journey, by the way. I remember when I became a Christian and uh, I met Sarah. We started dating and we've been dating a couple of months. And she said to me, I've been a Christian about three months. And she said to me, you need to start to tithe. And I was a bit stingy, I've got to admit, right? I thought the church should pay me to come to church. Honestly, she asked me to go to a conference and she told me it was £60. I said, £60? They should be paying me to come along. That was my attitude. I've come a little bit further since then, okay? We're all on a journey, are we not? We are on a journey. And we're on this journey from, you know, some of you may not have met Jesus yet, and you're on a journey to meet Jesus. Or you may have some belief in Jesus, but you've not yet committed to Jesus. We, we often call that pre-Christ. Some of you may have been what we call converted, and you say you believe in Jesus, and you've made that decision. And some of you may have kind of moved further on from that and say, actually, I'm not just believing now, but I'm becoming. Do you see the difference? So a believer is someone who wants to gather information and understand and grasp who this Jesus is. And usually as a believer as you, or a convert, it's very often, what has Jesus done for me? Jesus has died for me. Jesus has forgiven my sins. It generally, at that stage, post coming to know Christ, is all about me. Is anybody, are you with me? Are you with me, right? And as we mature and grow on a journey, we realize it's not just about me. It's not, I'm not just here for me, any, any, right? Jesus didn't just die for me. It's actually now about becoming like Jesus, and it's actually about others. Are you with me? And, and, and the word there, if we look at it, if we're to look at becoming a, a believer in Jesus and then a follower of Jesus, we would call that a disciple. The Greek word in the, in the Gospels is Matthew in the New Testament, sorry, is Matthew, where we get the word mathematic, mathematics. Any, any mathematicians in here? Right? Don't worry if you've just got lost with a math. If you're not a mathematician, doesn't mean you've got to be good at maths. It simply means this you are a learner. Anybody learning? So we're all learning, but the learner goes beyond just gathering information. This kind of learner or a disciple, he has a teacher who he loves. And he takes on the very beliefs and values of that teacher and becomes like the teacher. So a disciple is, 
is, is, is, is getting the belief and it's permeated into them and they become just like the master. Are you, are you making sense? So we're moving from pre-Christ on the journey. I, I believe in Jesus. It's about gathering information and knowledge about who Jesus is. Now I get that information from the master and I apply it in my life. I like his values. I like who he is. Now I'm becoming like the master. It's a disciple. I'm a learner. And it, and it transfers from the master down to me and it that then transfers, transfers into my life. It transfers into my finance. It transfers into my job. It transfers into this world. And that's why we're here. Are you got it? You're a, you're a learner. You're a learner of the master. And, and you learn the master's values. And then it permeates you. We have to move beyond just information. We can't just be a gatherer. What is Jesus doing for me? Jesus died for me. That is really important. But we've got to move beyond that. So we've got to move beyond believing to becoming. That's the, are you with me? This is where the rubber hits the road. Oh, Jesus didn't just die for me. Yeah, he did die for you. And if you've not grasped that yet, you're going to struggle to become because you've still not believed that the master died for you. It's part of the journey, right? And by the way, just because you've become and gone, oh, I'm like the master, that doesn't make you any better than the convert. Otherwise, we're missing it. Oh, I'm doing really well here. I'm more spiritual than this person. No, you're missing the mark. The, the, the mark is like the master and the master is loving and kind and he's considerate. He doesn't elevate himself above. He actually lays his life down and serves us. So just be careful on the journey that you don't get a little bit proud with your information and knowledge because it should permeate into being like the master who's loving and kind and servant-hearted. Watch out for that danger. Paul does it in Corinthians. He talks about love. You can have all this knowledge and all this stuff, but if you have love, you are... You're nothing. So just watch. We should be permeating the value of the master and becoming like the master. It says in Colossians, Paul says, you know, take on the new, the new image. Take on the new clothes, he says, so that you will know the creator and become like him. That's who we are. Are you still with me? So we're called to believe, but we're also called to become. And when you become, you become like the master. You become a disciple. And then you move beyond that. And guess what you do then? Go to heaven. No. You, you, you make becomers. You make disciples. So you go from believing to becoming. Now I'm going to make more becomers. Because that's my role in this world. To raise up more disciples. That's the journey. So it becomes less about us. becomes more about the master. And it becomes more about others in the world. That's the journey. So, are you with me? We're moving on to becoming. So, what does that becoming look like? What is this master like if we're taking on his values? One of the values, I believe, is generosity. Because I believe the master is generous. Does anybody else believe that? You see, we, are, we, we come to Christ and we become what's we called a redeemed people. That means, what does the word redeemed mean? It kind of means that that you've lost, you get back. Right? I, I did something that wasn't very good this week. I tried to be good, but it turned out not good. I had this idea. I got up early on Thursday morning when all that snow came and the world of Stoke-on-Trent came to a standstill. Right? An hour it took me to get down the road. One hour. One hour get a mile. One hour. Right? So I thought, I've got this great idea. I'll put the car on early and I'll turn the engine on so it'll defrost the car. Anybody else do that? 
Yeah? You don't think about the person who's going to nick your car, do you? Ben's next door neighbour this week had their car nicked. I'm not scaring you, but he did because he left his car on in the snow and defrosting. Anyway, side story, get back on it. Listen, so I thought, I'll be a good, I'll be a good husband. I'll turn my wife's car on. So, because she's got to take Olivia, I'm going to take Grace. It was like seven o'clock in the morning. I've got to, t- I thought, I'll get out, take Grace to college. So I, I, I put one car on, I leave the other car on and it's on. But then school ring and say, Olivia doesn't have to go to school. Half past 11, I get a message. Did you put my car on this morning? Did you put it on? You know when you're in trouble, it's got three exclamation marks. One's bad enough, two's bad, three. Whoa, I'm in the doghouse. I haven't even got a doghouse. But I'm in the doghouse. She's like, I've got no petrol left in my car. It's been, what time did you put it on? You know when you want to lie? It's like, can I cover this up or can I be honest? I'm like, it's about oh, seven, because that's when I went out. I've got to confess, it was about ten past seven. Petrol's gone. So, here's the point, right? Here's the point. She's lost something. She's lost something. Redemption is to give back, is it not? So, I got you something this morning, Sarah. Because it's my job to redeem back to you. It's my job to give back that that's been stolen. Does this make sense? So I, I, I'm really sorry, but there's the petrol that you're owed. The point is this, God gives us back. And he gives us back that that we don't deserve. Now, Sarah doesn't deserve to lose that. She's done nothing wrong. But we, we have done things wrong. We have messed up. We do fall short. But guess what? He's got fuel for us. He wants to put something in your tank so that you can live in this world. He redeems back to us that that's been stolen. And by the way, when we say redeems, just think of this. Very often we think this. God has set me free to go and do whatever I want. I'm free. He redeemed you. He redeemed you. He took you out of captivity like Israel. He didn't take them out just to let them go. He paid for them. He says, I'll pay the price for these. I'll I'll make the sacrifice. They should be dead, but I'll pay the price. I'll sacrifice. Sacrifice the lamb and I'll rescue you out of that place. He redeemed them to be with him. He didn't redeem them so they could do whatever. He owned them. He paid for you. You are his. You are his possession. He loves you. He desires you. You now belong to him. Do you realize that? Before you didn't belong to him. You said, I don't need you, God. Then you said, I need you. Guess what? He paid the price for you. Now you're now his. But you're not his because he's a controlling master. He wants to lead you into life so that you can be a loving son, a loving daughter, and reflect his image in this world. When I say reflect, it's really important because it's not that we become God, or I am like God. No, we are reflecting the image of God. So, so a redeemed person is reflecting the image of the master. Are you with me? And the master is generous. And we know that because it says, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he, he's a giver. 
And if, if he's a giver and my master is a giver and I'm becoming like the master because I'm learning about him, I too want to be like the master. And the master is generous. He's many other things. He's number one loving because that's who he is. God so loved the world that he gave. So we need to have first and foremost love as our motive and we need to have a motivation to do good but we've got to have a willingness to do good because that's who the master is. Are you with me? I want to reflect the Redeemer because he redeemed me. I want to reflect my teacher because he rescued me out of slavery and he put me into the kingdom of light. And I want to reflect him. Does anybody else? So, first and foremost, God's generosity redeemed us, did it not? You were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You're not redeemed by your faith or your effort. You're redeemed because God first paid the price for you this morning. He said, I'll pay for these because I love them. And I'll pay with my precious blood. My son will be what I'll pay this price with. You're redeemed this morning, church. Do you see it? Do you see yourself redeemed? Because the more you see yourself redeemed, the more you reflect the image of the Redeemer. The more you'll want to reflect the image of the Redeemer. See, redeemed people reflect generosity because they've grasped the Redeemer. You know, most people, if we're honest, on this journey, most of us are like this. What do I get from life? What do I get from church? What does this church give me? It gives me good music. It gives me good teaching. It gives me fellowship. It gives me, it gives me, it gives me. How many of us are like that? That's consumerism. You can find that everywhere in the world, okay? Now, does that mean that God doesn't give us? Absolutely. Does it mean that we don't receive? Absolutely. But we've got to move beyond that church. Because all we'll ever do is, oh, that didn't flick my switch this morning. That didn't give me the buzz this morning. No, God's deeper than that. God wasn't looking for a buzz on the cross. He wasn't looking for a flick of the switch. Hey, I wonder if they'll like me this morning. No, he was deeper than that. He was loving. And as church, we've got to move beyond me consumerism. And we've got to move towards a contributor. A redeemer says, what can I add in this world? A redeemer says, what do you want me to do? You don't have to ask a disciple to give. You don't have to say, hey, disciple, will you give today? A disciple says, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to give? Because I've already been given. I'm already full of the riches of Christ. I'm already redeemed. You know how much I have. Where do you want me to add it? Where, 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 where? It's looking for opportunity. What do you want me to do? What can I do? Where is it? How can I help you? How can I turn your car on in the morning? Are you with me? I'm a, I'm a preaching to myself this morning. Are we with me? You don't need to ask a disciple to give. They've already got that much. It's overflowing. It's like, where, 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 where? I'm full. But if you're not looking at the Redeemer, you don't look at the Redeemer, you won't see how much you're redeemed. You won't see how much it cost him to redeem you. The blood, the sacrifice, the nails, this is the cost. This is my value I have in you. And if you don't see his value in you, you will struggle to add value to others. 
We've got to move away from a me mentality into an other mentality. Where do you want me to add? Where do you want me to give? Where can I go, Lord, to serve you in this world, to show love and make a difference? Redeem people reflect generosity. Are you, are you with me? Have a water. This isn't too hard, is it? He graces us to do this. Thank you. Okay. Redeemed people then. We need to understand some things. Redeemed people understand stewardship. So people who understand the Redeemer, they understand they've been given resource, responsibility to steward it in this world. You know, when you come into this world, what did you bring? Not a lot. When you leave this world, what will you take with you? Not a lot. The Egyptians thought different. I think some of the Saxons thought different. We'll bury it with them. They'll take it with them. We're still finding it today. Go down to Sutton Hoo. Go to the British Museum. Go to the museum in Cairo. You'll still find Pharaoh's stuff in there. They didn't take it with them. 1 Timothy 6, 7, Paul writing to Timothy, he says this, For we brought nothing into this world, it's truth. And it is certain we carry nothing out. You know, when babies come out, right? Sorry for this description. When babies come out, they don't come out with a new mobile phone, do they? They don't pop out, hey mom, look at mom. They don't pop out trying to get a, a TikTok. This is a good TikTok. They don't go, this is the best, best be real mom I'm going to get as I'm coming out. It would be a good be real, wouldn't it? But they don't do it, do they? Why? Because they ain't got a mobile phone when they come out and they're not taking one with them. All them pictures, all them cloud images, they're not going with them. They're staying here. So why do I tell you this? Because in the time you're born to the time you die, you've been given stuff. And we have a responsibility. What do we do with that stuff? God has given me stuff. He's given me talent. He's given me gift. He's given me a ability to get a job. He's given me the ability to raise money. He's given me, you know, family, people. And I have a responsibility to steward that that he has given me. All things come from him and are owned by him. And we one day give an account of what we do with what he's given us. Okay? Romans, if you don't believe me, this is Paul writing. In Romans, um, Romans 14, 12, they're having, they're having a fallout about judging one another. So the context of this is like, you're judging this person, and Paul's basically saying, well, you're going to be judged by how you judge other people. That's in essence. But the, the bigger context is this. If we're going to give account for judging one another, don't you think we're going to give account for judging for everything else? So he says this. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Truth. I knew you wouldn't be my friend this morning. This is truth. Now, here's truth. That doesn't mean God's going to judge us based on our sin and our things that we've done wrong. Aren't we thankful that Jesus redeemed us from that? Right? Your past sins, lines been draw, drawn as far as the east to the west. You won't see, they've, they've gone, you sin. 
So you're not standing before God feeling, oh, I'm condemned because I haven't done good enough. No, God's just going to say to you, well, what did you do? Let me reward you with what you used. He's not condemning you. Does this make sense? So you've got to understand, a redeemed person understands that God, you are right with God because of what Jesus did. Now he's given the responsibility to steward things. And in some ways, we've got less of an excuse now as we did before we were at the cross. Because now we've had our eyes open to who God is and what he wants us to do. Sorry, we're the church, right? We're the church. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We've got a responsibility to steward that that he's been given to us. And that's your responsibility before God to steward that. The second thing redeemed people understand is the benefits of tithes and offerings. Don't you just love talking about money? Don't it just hit us, the reality of where we're at? You see, here are a few things of the benefits of tithes. Number one, it helps the church or it allows the church to be active in ministry. Without money, you can't, you're limited, right? You're limited with what you can do as the church. We can't be active. We can't buy things for people. We can't minister to people because we're limited. The second thing tithes and offering does, for you personally, this, it creates a grateful and generous spirit within the individual. That's what it does. It, it's creating generous spirit within you. No, I'll hold on to my stewardship stuff, right? I'll hold on to it so my life is okay. I'm holding on to it. I've got it so I can do the things I want to do. No, God encourages us to be generous because it creates a generous spirit within us. What do you want to be, stingy or generous? Put your hands up if you want to be stingy. Are there any stingy people in here? We won't stone you. Let's be honest, most of you are a bit stingy. Just a little bit. I am. I calculate and look and try and hold on to things. I got challenged this year. I'm not going to go into detail, but I got challenged when I went to Africa. I came back and I was like, oh, we can't do that. There's not enough. And somebody put some money in and I forgot about it. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Paul, when is enough enough? When is enough enough? I was like, oh, I missed it. So then I had to go to a journey to try and do this thing. And I'm on a journey with that to do this thing, what I feel God's telling me to do. But he said to me, Paul, when is enough enough? You see, when is enough enough? I asked you that question. When is enough enough for you? Because if it's not enough now, it'll never be enough. It's not enough. You know, if you get £100, is it enough? If you get £500, is it enough? You get £1,000, is it enough? Ten thousand, £100,000, is it enough? If you can't give when you have 100, you won't give when you've got 100,000. You'll actually find it harder to give at 100,000 than you will at 100. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Because if it has you at 100, it'll have you at 100,000. Because it's got you, right? But if you start your principle in life of not being stingy and being generous, you start at giving a portion. You start at 10%. Right, a portion of my money. What else does that do? It causes you trust in who your source is. You say, oh, God's my source. God's my source. And I put him first. You know, tithing has been around for hundreds of years. It's in the Old Testament, you can find it 32 times written down tithe. In the New Testament, seven times. And people say, oh, it's an Old Testament. Oh, it's of the law. Well, yes, it was of the law because they saw it was important. The law wasn't a negative thing. It was a good thing. 
it just got a little bit warped. But it was actually before the law in Genesis 14, Moses, who has an amazing victory, a guy called Melchizedek turns up and he gives him a tenth. It's a relationship. It's a heart. He wanted to give back for the victory and he gave it to this, this priest. Guess what? We got a victory, church. And he is the great high priest. And my heart says, I want to give back. You see, it tells us that we trust God as our source. It stops us being stingy and it stops us loving money too much. Too much. Gives us a generous spirit and it helps the church to be active. Now you may say, well, it's really the Old Testament and it's not really a New Testament. And we've been, we've, we, we've been, you know, we've got grace now. Well, Jesus doesn't really refer to it in that way. Matthew 23, 23. Jesus is speaking to religious people and, he, and, and the, he's having a conversation. Then he says this to him. He says, you give a tenth of spices. Any curry makers in here? Mint, dill, and cumin. I love me cumin, right? Good basis for a curry, is it not? Where's Baz, Mr. Curry Man, right? Love a bit of cumin, wouldn't you, Baz? Right, as a pastor, don't bring me cumin every week. There's only certain benefits. There's only so many curries I can make, right? We, we've transferred this, okay? That, that, that's transferred as agriculture has changed over the years. You know, none of you, well, most of you probably aren't farmers now. So you can't bring your product into the storehouse so the priests can live off it and they can administer that in ways that are beneficial. We don't have a storehouse now. There are still storehouses in the UK. You can still find them. Old storehouses, medieval times, they stopped doing it. But agriculture's changed, okay? We don't have a storehouse like that. We now deal with finance. Is that okay? It's the same. You're making your product. But Jesus challenges these people. He says, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, milk, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. So he, he's saying there's really important things that you've missed. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. We could talk on that all day, faithfulness. He says you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So Jesus is saying you should be practicing tithing. It, this is like, this is like base, this is normal. Tithing is normal. Generosity is normal. But I want to take it further in the New Testament. I mean, let's be honest. The Old Testament, what's better? The Old Testament or the New Testament? The New Covenant or the Old Testament? Or the Old Covenant? Which one would you prefer? So, so the Old Covenant was a tithe. The New Covenant, if we don't believe in that, giving we'll go back and we'll actually do less than the old covenant are you with me but you're telling me the new covenant is better so if the new covenant's better guess what i'm not only going to tithe i'm going to go beyond tithe i'm going to be generous and 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 remember it reflects the redeemer so so if it's reflecting the redeemer is generous it's going to reflect the redeemer and i'm going to be generous so uh, listen i'm not trying to get your money off you i'm trying to Get you to cultivate a generous spirit in your life so that you reflect him. It's your relationship. You reflect him. I believe my God has been generous to me and I want to reflect him that has been generous to me. And I'm on a journey of that and becoming like that. I'm not where I used to be, but I want to be more like him. And remember, if you're not giving, there's no condemnation in this. The curse has been broken. Right? The whole Malachi thing. Bring your store, bring the, bring the, bring the, um, bring your stuff, your food, your tithes into the storehouse. And he says, if you don't, you'll be cursed. That is broken. 
This is not a slot machine, God. It's not like, oh, if I don't bring my tithe, God's not. Oh, if I've given my tithe now, now he owes me. I will be blessed by God because I put my money in the slot machine. He ain't a slot machine. He's blessed you anyway. Genesis says you are blessed. So you've got to believe that you're blessed. And it's not based on your giving or your tithing. You're already blessed. It's about you becoming like the Redeemer. Are you, are you with me? So you're already blessed. And if God blesses you in a certain way because you tithe, brilliant. But if he doesn't, brilliant again because you're already blessed. So just be careful when you're giving that you don't put conditions on it because you're getting into dangerous grounds then. That's performance religion, right? That, that's contractual. God has to give me now because I've given. No, I give freely. That's what love is. I give you freely, God. I give freely. I don't give conditionally. I'm not condemned. I give because I want to and I'm free to give. And by the way, just remember, there's no condemnation this morning. But I want to cultivate, cultivate generosity so you become more like the Father, more like the Redeemer. And that is a journey. I think New Testament, New Covenant is more generous than the Old Covenant. Not that the Old Covenant was wrong in some ways. There was still generosity in the Old Covenant. But there's a more generosity in the New Covenant. So, how do we do this? Obviously, we become generous, we give. But I think there's something deeper than this that we need to understand. I want to look at Luke chapter 14. It's Jesus. And you'll know this. Many of you have been in church. You'll know this account. It's Jesus of the ten lepers. And there's ten lepers and we get a response off nine and a different response off one. So I'm going to read it. Luke 17. Have we got it up? It says, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village, there were ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priests. And they went, sorry, and as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. And you know what that reminds me of? Take him at his word. Just take it, yeah, but I'm not healed yet. Yeah, but I'm not transformed yet. Yeah, but it's not happening yet. Well, take him at his word. They were only healed as they went. You know, we're only transformed as we went. As we went, bad English, bad grammar, right? But you hear what I'm saying? As you are wenting, right? You're getting it. You are now wenting. This week, I am wenting. Yeah, but I've not happened yet. But I'm still wenting. I'm still going because he said it. I'm still believing because he said it. I'm still trusting. I'm, I'm being generous. I know it's hard, but I'm being generous. I am wenting. And as you went, guess what happens? The transformation happens. The generous heart, the stingy heart changes. The generous heart begins to open up as you went. Sorry about the grammar. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting. You can't keep quiet when Jesus has done this. He says, praise God, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? He's reflecting the Redeemer. And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. 
your faith has healed you. All 10 of them are healed physically, their leprosy, but one of them comes back to the Redeemer. Why? Why does one come back and the other one doesn't? And I think it's because it's the depth of his perception. You know, I'm going to show you an image. Have you got that image up, Harry? Can you show me that image? You know, this is, a, this is church advertising in the US, right? What do you see? What do you see? You don't matter exactly. You don't matter. Do you see that? Do you see it? You're driving past. You see the word of God. What does it say? I don't matter. It says it. You don't matter. Give up. Give up. What else do you see? You matter. It's perspectives. You see what I'm saying? It's perspective. How you see the word is perceptive. It's how you see it. Now, I know that's a bit of play on words, but I think this guy sees it. He sees it. It's the depth of his perception. He's seen vertically, not just horizontally. He's not just seen, oh, my life has changed now. I can go back home and I've got my life back. He's not just consumeristic. There's a depth of this guy, I believe, that transforms him. It moves beyond conversion. It moves beyond I'm healed. It, be, it moves towards a becoming. I have now discovered this Redeemer. He's not just a priest walking past that heals him. He's not just a doctor. He's not just a rabbi. There's something more. Who is he? He's God. He's God. You see, he sees the connection between Jesus and God. He doesn't just see him as Jesus. He sees him as God. He sees through Jesus and he sees God working through and in Jesus. And he goes back to him and he understands where the source is and where it's come from. It's come from this guy, Jesus. It's God working in Jesus this morning. You see, and then we get a reaction that's different from the others. Why? Because the depth of his perception, that influences action. So if you perceive Jesus as your redeemer, your actions of life are going to demonstrate it. But if you, if, if you only go shallow, what does Jesus give me? What has Jesus done for me? I'll go back home and be with the family and not really realize what God has done. But because he perceives it differently, he sees Jesus, but he sees God, and all he can do is give. All he can do is give. I just want to go back to God and give thanks. I want to go back and praise him because what he's done, not just for my life and my family, but because who he is, I see him. Do you see him this morning? You see Are you seeing him? Are you seeing him? Did you see him on the cross? Did you see the blood? Did you see the sacrifice? Did you see the healing? Did you see the forgiveness? Have you perceived your forgiveness? You know, this person now, they could not go back into society unless they were accepted and agreed with the priest. He's met a greater priest. He hasn't even gone to the priest and asked if he can be back into society. He's gone to the great high priest. And that's what matters, is the great high priest. And when we, when we encounter this priest, Jesus, who administers grace 
abundant grace to our lives and changes our hearts and fills our hearts with his love, the Father's redemptive power that forgives us and heals us and goes into our soul and our physical being and changes us, the depth of that perception will be demonstrated by your actions. You see, he gives back a gift and the only gift he has to give back, what is it? It's the gift of gratitude. What can I give God? My stuff, does it really matter, God? Yeah, it'll have an effect, but what really matters is my heart and my gratitude for this God who gave his one and only son. And when the heart realizes that, it's then we begin to give. We give thanks, we give praise, we worship him because we realize at the depth. And I think this guy, because of the depth of his hurt and his pain, because Jesus heals him, at such a depth, he doesn't care what other people think. All he cares about is giving thanks to God. I ain't going to keep silence about this. Anybody else going to speak about it? Anybody else going to tell Jesus? We know we've got Alpha coming up. Who are we going to tell about it? I'm not going to keep quiet about this redeemer because he wants to redeem others. I just want to give back because he's given to me. You know, there's benefits of thankfulness. I'm going to share a few. Number one, it keeps us humble. Number two, it helps us focus on the goodness rather than the things that we don't have. You know, it's so easy to get in. I need this and I need that. No, focus on what you do have and be thankful for it. It helps us to focus on the goodness. It helps to create a positive spirit in our lives because we realize how much we do have. I've got this and I've got that. I don't have that, but you know what? I have this. I have the love of God. I have the grace of God, and I'm thankful for that today. I sounded Irish then. It helps to reduce anxiety because you stop worrying about the stuff that you don't have and you're thankful for what you do have. By the way, this is spiritual warfare. You want to know how to battle with some of your battles? Get into thankfulness. Get it to, get, it's the entrance to the presence of God in the Old Testament, in the Old Temple. Today, that temple is us. We're the temple of God. So how do I get into his presence? I start to thank him. And then as you start to thank him, he fills your life because you appreciate what he's done. And then you realize the sacrifice. Then you begin to praise him because you're just in awe. And then you fall flat on your face because his presence is overwhelming for you. And there's nothing you can do because there's nothing of you. And you lie flat just in the presence of God, standing in awe of him because of what he's done. It's him. You want to overcome your battles? Start focusing on the Redeemer. Start to fill your heart with thankfulness. I'm going to read David. David had some ups and downs, had he not? Anybody else had ups and downs? But aren't you thankful for the grace of God? This is David. He says this, I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You redeemed me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. Oh God, my God, I cried for help for you, like the leper, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but guess what? David understood that joy came in the morning. 
When I was prosperous, just watch this. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Bit of, a, bit of Alton John in there. Don't stop me now. I'm having such a good time. Is that right? What? Who is it? Oh, Queens. Queens. Sorry. I, I, I knew it was someone like that. Sorry. Sorry. You are right. I, I'm apologizing. A bit of Queen, right? A bit of Queen. Sorry. Stop. Don't stop me now. I'm having such a good time. You ready? I'm prosperous. I'm doing well. I got it all together. You ready? This is David. Nothing's going to stop me now. Your favor, Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me. And I was shattered. Why? Because he put himself, his belief on his own prosperity and on the favor of God. And he thought he was doing well. And God turned away from him. He used to teach him another lesson. But then he says this, I cried out to you, Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, what will you gain if I die, if I sink to the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord. Have mercy on me. Help me, Lord. And then he says this. Are you ready? You turn my mourning into joyful dancing. Woo! Not just dancing. Joyful dancing. Are you with me? Is there any joy in here? Because I think there's joy in the Redeemer. And if there's joy in the Redeemer, you reflect in the Redeemer. There's joy in the hearts of the redeemed. So there's joyful dance. David was redeemed. It says David even danced naked. We're not going to do that this morning. Right? Why? Because he was not bothered what people thought. He was not ashamed by what those people thought. He was just bothered about the presence. And in the presence, I'm not going to keep silence because of the joy of the Lord. And it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength, Nehemiah. You turn my morning into joyful dancing. You've taken away my clothes of mourning. You've clothed me with joy that I may sing praises to you and not be silent. Shh, just be quiet about your faith. No, I will not be silent, David says. And then he says this, Oh Lord my God, I will give, yeah, what will he do? I will give thanks when when on a good day on a good day when forever Paul even says it give thanks in Colossians he says give thanks always give thanks why because it does the heart good and we're reflecting the redeemer and the power of the redeemer we're a people of faith right and God has redeemed us and you can't always see God but your faith is in what he did at the cross I just want to read this again. I'll ask the band to come up. Are you still with me? We're cultivating generosity. We're a redeemed people. We reflect the Redeemer. And I think it comes out of a thankful heart. It comes out of a heart that's actually said, I'll trust in Jesus. It's cried out to God with everything that's within them and said, I surrender to you. I need you. And God has come into David's life and redeemed him and filled his heart and his spirit with his presence. And all that David wants is that and it's more than enough. You know, sometimes this is what we do reflect. We go back into the world because it gives us the buzz that we want. And then we reflect the buzz of the world. Oh, this is doing this and this, this relationship, gives, this car gives me this. And, then, and all we're doing is bouncing off the world. We're reflecting the world. Are you seeing? It's like, oh, it made me feel good for a bit, but then it just dies. It's just death. It's not producing life. But God says, come to me, I'll redeem you. And then reflect my goodness into this world and add value. You know, you doctors, you nurses, you teachers, you students. 
when, when the world's looking, it's looking for the Redeemer in you. It's looking for that to be reflected in this world. When you help people, doctors, when you, teachers, when you're doing this, what are you doing? You're reflecting the Redeemer. The leper saw it. He didn't just see a doctor or a nurse or a teacher. You know, he saw an engineer or lecturer. No. He saw beyond that and he saw God working in them to make a difference in this world. And all of you, Jesus is saying, reflect me. Just, just, just add goodness to, to your day. Move beyond yourself a little bit and think of others. And I'll tell you, it'll transform you and become like him. I want to read this psalm again, but I want you to reflect it as though it's Jesus Christ on the cross. I want you to imagine Jesus talking to God on that cross because this is with him giving it for you. This, this was him giving his precious life for you. He's like, Father, I exalt you for you rescued me. You refused, Father, to let the enemy triumph over me. Did he not? He, God, Father, I cried out for you and you restored my health. You brought me up, Father, from the grave. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his only name for his anger was on Jesus on that cross. But it lasts only a moment. But his favour is now upon you and it lasts a lifetime. It's not going anywhere. Weeping may last through the night, but joy is coming in the morning because of the resurrections happening. You imagine Mary sitting at the cross watching her son being crucified. Weeping's lasting. But you imagine the next day. And then verse 9. What will you gain, Father, if I die? If I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Father, can it tell of your faithfulness? I think the Father had a different plan, did he not? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Father, help me. And then it's the next day. It's the resurrection day. It's the day that we are all living in. And anybody resurrected in here? It says, you turn my mourning into joyful dancing, Father. You've taken away my clothes of mourning and you've clothed me with joy. That I may sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh Lord, Father, I'll thank you forever. It's Jesus. God redeemed you through his precious son. He was dying on that cross for you. Do you see that this morning? Do you perceive it? Do you, or do you see the other sign that says, I don't matter, give up? Or are you looking at the other one that says, actually, I perceive God working on that cross. I perceive the Redeemer because I do matter. You do matter. And he was willing to pay the price. It was more than lost petrol. It was lost souls he was going after and he was willing to pay the price for you. I want to ask you this morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your Redeemer? Do you know Jesus is the one who died for your sins and offers you newness of life? Do you know him? You know, and we're all on a journey. You know, we're, we're on this journey of becoming like him. And don't feel bad if you're not yet like him. You say, oh, I'm not good enough. No, that's not true. You're on a journey. There's no condemnation. God's encouraging you to grow, get closer to the Redeemer and reflect him 
in this world. You know, we're going to sing a song. I don't know about you, but I love this church because it's a generous church. You know, and, and the tendency with church is this, and, and, you, and people, is we generally vert back to ourselves. We generally do this, oh, life's about me. That's why coming church and getting around Jesus and the word of God and being preached, it does this. It pulls you back again to where you should be going, which actually is to love people and to love your community. And sometimes we get pulled because life affects us this way. It's like, oh, it's not happened for me. God's saying, I want to pull you out of that so that you can see differently on the, in this world. Because if you do, you'll see your job differently. You'll see your family differently. You'll see, that, you'll see that how the enemies work differently because you'll turn it all around for good. And you'll have a different perspective on life. What's your perspective this morning? My prayer is this, that you'll have a deeper revelation and perspective of how valued you are and you'll start to demonstrate as you receive God's gift let it not just be information but let it be transformation that you meditate on it you receive it and then you begin to follow Jesus like the leper who he said go and as he went he began to change and as you trust in the words of Jesus and you follow him more and more, my prayer for us is that we will change and be transformed and become more like the Redeemer. That we'll be a loving people, we love one another, but we'll be a generous people. So Father, I pray this morning for each of us that Lord, you'd refresh in us a new passion for the things of you. Lord, I pray for each one of us to rest in your goodness the power of the Redeemer. May the blood of Jesus cleanse each one of us this morning as we rest first and foremost in your love. And Lord, as we begin to thank you, begin to praise you and reflect on you, I pray that you begin to renew in each one of us, Father, a fresh perspective of this life and what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and you've got a question, I'll ask you to come and speak to me. There'll be some people who can pray with you over here. But if anything's spoken to you this morning, you think, I don't quite know this Redeemer. I don't quite get what you... Please come and speak to us. I'd love to introduce you to Jesus and tell you what he's done for you and how much he loves you and go on a journey with you. Okay, we're going to worship. Come on, let's stand. Have we got something to be thankful for this morning? Come on, let's worship him. We're going to thank him. God so gave his one and only son for you, did he not? Because he loved you. He loved the world. He loved you. He loved me. And he gave his son. You know, when he calls us to come to him, whatever shape, whatever's going on, he calls us to come to us. He accepts us. He loves us. And he begins to change us. But I feel like this morning, God is calling some of you to come closer. Come on, let's worship him. Just spend some time meditating on what we feel God said to you this morning.